Welcome to High Lawn Baptist Church in St. Albans, West Virginia, where our mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. We pray that you are blessed by the sharing of God's truth for us this day. For more information, visit us online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. It is my privilege to uh, welcome Reverend Ed Rogers, uh, who was pastoring in Parkersburg and now is doing a little everything, and he can tell you what all he's doing. I understand that you have a program that helps pastors how to live their life a little bit better. Can you call our pastor? <laughs> tell him to straight. Tell him to straighten up. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Oh, I've got communion in my hands. So. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I have no idea what I do, so. Uh, I left the South Parkersburg Baptist Church. I was there for 26 years, 16 as a lead pastor, and about nine years ago I left there. As a matter of fact, if you were here about nine years ago, I preached a couple of Sundays for you after I left South, and uh, I left there to do a couple of different things. I left there to go to work for a physical therapy company at the same time doing a consulting ministry where I work with pastors, churches, and also people in business who are people of faith. And, and I still both do both of those things. So I'm the CEO of Mountain River Physical Therapy. And people say, well, I, why did you leave the ministry? I never left the ministry. I call myself a corporate culture missiologist because we have a founder who is a Christian who said, hey, I want to lead my company in a way that honors Christ and serve my patients and our communities in that way and want some help with that. And so that's been an amazing journey. And then the journey working with churches and with pastors and with other businesses and business owners and business leaders has been amazing as well. So I run into people from South Parkersburg all the time who say to me, how are you enjoying retirement? I'm like, I didn't retire. I was only 46 when I left, guys. Um, and uh, so they don't even know what I do. And uh, sometimes I'm not sure. So if you want to address me, my name's Ed Rogers. You can call me Mr. Ed, Mr. Rogers, whichever show you grew up with. I'm fine with either of those. And, uh, but it is good to be with you today. And praying for your pastor, obviously. And uh, I've sent him a few notes this week as we've corresponded back and forth a little bit. And just pray that he'll be back with you soon. But I'm glad to be with you here this morning. So would you join me in a word of prayer? And we'll prepare our hearts to go to God's Word. <clears throat> Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for an opportunity to be in Your house. To be able to come together, Lord, as Your family, to look at Your Word, to hear Your voice through Your Spirit. We pray today that we would have open ears and open hearts and open minds. That You would not only teach us something, Lord, but that what we learn, the knowledge that we gain, would challenge us to become more of who You want us to be would challenge us to do more of what you need us as your church and your body in this community. Father, I pray for Jason that you would just put your hand upon him, that you would heal him, give him what he needs to return to the work that you've called him to as soon as possible. We give all the glory and the honor and the praise to you for all that you do in and through us, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we sang that wonderful hymn, Blessed Assurance, a little bit earlier, and, and as the beautiful music talked about how Christ overcomes, I was reminded of my grandfather. And uh, my grandfather passed away about 15 years ago, and 
He lived a long life. He was 92 when he passed away. But I remember growing up taking walks with my grandpa. He had a couple of phrases that he said over and over and over again. And one was, it's a great life. It's a great life. And I don't care what my grandpa was talking about. He would always use that phrase, it's a great life. Now, if you knew my grandpa's story, you would know that when he was 41 years old, his wife died. His wife who had had MS and had been not able to walk on her own for almost 11 years before she passed away. And he was her caretaker. During the time that she was sick and before she passed away, their oldest daughter contracted non-Hodgkin's disease and ended up dying a couple years after his wife died. While all of this was going on, his oldest son came down with polio and spent a year in an iron lung. And while he was in the hospital, his youngest son had a motorcycle wreck and spent about six months in the hospital. Both of them recovered and, and lived. But this was my grandfather who, in talking about life, would say, it's a great life. And I thought to myself many times when I was talking to him, if I had your life, I probably wouldn't think it was such a great life. But my grandfather was the greatest Christian influence on me. And it was because of Christ that it was a great life. So no matter what our circumstances, like Fanny Crosby, Christ overcomes, amen? And we can be thankful for that. As a matter of fact, not only does He overcome, but He gives us an abundance, which I think sometimes we may not realize. How many of you all have Tupperware in your refrigerator? Anybody? Yeah? If you don't have Tupperware, you have those cheap knockoff versions, right? that we buy at Walmart and all those other places now. I can remember growing up, you know, looking in the refrigerator and, and there would always be Tupperware in the refrigerator. Different colors, different shapes, different sizes. But have you ever really stopped to think what a blessing Tupperware is? Tupperware is an incredible blessing because we are a blessed people and the fact is we have so much that we need to buy stuff to keep it in, right? How many of you have ever had kids that go and open up the refrigerator, stare in there blankly and say what? There's nothing to eat in this house, right? Or go in and open up their closet and say what? I've got nothing to wear to this today. And yet there are people all over the world that would love to have what we have in our Tupperware in our refrigerator. They would love to have just one outfit, one article of clothing that we have in our closet. We need to realize, I think, especially as followers of Christ, that we take so many things for granted and that we have so much more than we really realize. As a matter of fact, one thing I think we need to understand is that contentment, which so many people are searching for in this world today, contentment is the realization of what we have, not attaining what we want. We would be content if we would just realize we already have all that we need rather than thinking, I need the next thing or I need this or I need that. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 6 today because we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be full, what it means to be content, what it means to have abundance. And you all know this story more than likely. This is a story about a, a, a meal. A meal where there's a whole bunch of leftovers at the end, starting in chapter 6, verse 1. The Scriptures tell us this. 
Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed Him because they saw the miraculous signs He had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with His disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward Him, He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had had enough to eat, He said to His disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. I want to challenge you to something today. I want to challenge you to join me in a journey to go back there. To go back there and pretend that you are part of that great crowd. That Jesus, it says, just, just kind of nonchalantly looks up and sees this horde of people coming toward Him. And I want you to pretend and imagine for a minute that you are part of that crowd. And now this might be a bigger stretch for some of you. I know it is for me. I want you to pretend that you're one of the fastest people in that crowd, okay? That you can move quickly. And you're up in front of the crowd and so you get in a place where you can overhear some of the conversation that's going on between Jesus and His disciples. Here you are in that crowd, approaching and you begin to hear Jesus' words. And you begin to understand that there is something going on here that is pretty awesome. As a matter of fact, you're already approaching because you already know something different is going on, right? We, we all know in this crowd that Jesus has something we want or maybe even something we need. That's what's motivated us to join the crowd. We've looked around and we've seen how Jesus has healed folks. We've seen how Jesus has given purpose to people's lives. We've seen how P Jesus has made a difference in others' lives. And, and maybe you're in the crowd just to check Him out. Maybe you just want to know a little bit more. Maybe you are just a little bit curious. If you think about your life today, that's what brings people to Christ, isn't it? What brings people to want to know more about Jesus is what He's done in your life. How He's given you purpose. How He's worked in wonderful, amazing ways. How He works through you and through others. When that happens, people want to know what's going on. I remember a good friend of mine was in the hospital. He was actually there to have a quadruple bypass the next day. And he told me this story later 
He's, he was a pastor, and he has said, I had so many people come to my room, and all these good, you know, intentioned folks wanted to come in, and they wanted to pray, and I appreciated the prayers, and they wanted to tell me everything was going to be okay, and I appreciated the encouragement, but he said there was one guy that walked in that changed everything. And I said, well, what did he do? He said, nothing. I said, what did he say? Nothing. I said, well, then how did he make a difference? He said, he had just had the same surgery two weeks before. He walks in my room, and he was another pastor. He stands at the end of my bed, and he says, just thought you would need to see me, turns around and walks out. And he said, it made all the difference in the world because I knew God had brought him through the very same thing that I was facing. And that's what intrigues people about Christ in this culture we're in so much is how is God working in your life? Isn't that the tragedy of our witness in the church when it fails? Isn't it the tragedy when the community looks at us and they don't see Christ shining through us? When they see our priorities way out of whack where we care about ourselves more than anything else and we have all of these things that mean so much more to us than Jesus, but if we're on fire for the Lord, then God will work through us in ways that people will want to come check Jesus out. They'll want to know what is going on in your life. What is it that's making the difference in your life? I've stood at so many funerals, and I've heard so many people say, Grandma's faith was so inspirational. Grandpa's faith was just so incredible, and everybody knew that he loved Jesus. And I want to grab some people by the shoulders and go, then why aren't you living following that example? Amen? Why just give them uh, praise for what God's done? Why not live that same way? Why not have those same priorities? But if we live in a certain way, people will want to know what God is doing through us. So we know in this crowd that Jesus has something worthwhile. Maybe though you're not sure what it is for you. Maybe you're not sure exactly what it means for you to know Christ in your own life. And so you arrive ahead of the crowd and you hear Jesus ask a strange question to one of his disciples. He turns to Philip and he asks him, how are we going to feed all of these people? Now can you imagine, Philip? Can you imagine, Philip? He's a follower of Jesus. He knows the power that Jesus has. He doesn't completely understand it at this point. But they see this crowd of people coming and, and, and Jesus turns and, and basically says, I can almost imagine in my head, I'd be looking at Jesus going, what are you going to do about this, right? And Jesus turns and says, I don't know, what are you going to do about this, right? And, and Philip is like, well, I, uh, I, I'm not sure. And, and so I think what he's trying to do here, because the scripture tells us he already knows what he's going to do. He's just asking this to make a point, if you will, to Philip. I think what we learn from this as we overhear this conversation is very, very simply that Jesus is first concerned with meeting our needs. We discover that Jesus is first concerned with meeting our needs. And if you think about all that you've heard about Jesus at this point, as you're standing there along that, that seashore, you begin to realize he really did come to serve. And he really does want these followers of him to learn this lesson of what it means to serve. And you get the sense that Jesus already knows what he's going to do to feed all these folks, but he wants his disciples to learn this valuable lesson 
about service. Look over in Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45. Not only did Jesus come to serve, but He also commands us and, and, and calls us to serve. Starting in verse 43 of that Scripture, we read, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even if the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. As you're standing there hearing this conversation, you start to get the sense that Jesus really honestly cares about you. That Jesus really honestly cares about this entire crowd. That He really honestly cares about the entire world. And maybe this leads you to think about what your greatest need is as you approach Jesus today. Because it's been my experience in my own life that even though I've seen Christ work over and over and over, even though I've seen God do amazing things time and time again, for some strange, ridiculous reason, I go looking so many other places for answers to my problems. I have a need come up in my life and I begin to panic and I begin to worry and I begin to be afraid and I want to seek out all of these places that can help me with this need and and even with the experience I've had with Christ, sometimes He has to remind me, look, I'm your first call. I'm the one who will meet your need. Yes, He'll use all kinds of people. He'll use all kinds of things. But He is the one who will meet our needs. So if you're here today and standing on that seashore back then, maybe there is this need in your life and, and you're wondering, <coughs> can Jesus really meet that need? Well, here was Philip's response, right? He, even though he knows that Jesus wants to feed the people, he asks Philip, how are we going to do this? Or how are you going to do this? And Philip responds the same way we usually do. Because we often respond to an impossible situation with an impossible answer, right? God says, who's going to go for me? And we say, how in the world can I? God says, I need you to teach a Sunday school class. And we say, oh, I'm not, I, I, that's not me. I can't do that. How in the world could I do that? We need you. God needs you to do this. God needs us to do that. And it's like, how in the world can we do that? We respond to the impossible situations in our life with impossible answers. Philip says it will take way more than we have to feed these people. Now, now Peter's like a step up, right? Because Peter does a little bit of something, at least. Philip's like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way we're going to... You know people like that, right? You know people in the church. Don't look around, right? But every time there's an idea of something to be done, ah, we can't do that, right? We don't have the money to do that. We don't have the people to do that. We don't have the time to do that. We don't have the facilities to do that. We don't have... We don't, we can't, we can't, we can't. And that's kind of where Philip is. But then you've got Peter, and Peter gives a little help. Peter points out that there's a little bit of food over here, right? As a matter of fact, there are these few fish and this few little bit of bread, this wee little bit that it won't feed everybody, but at least he recognizes that there's something there. I hear those words of Peter, and I think about all of the times in my life where I have reached out for, to other things instead of God and got that little bit of help. Have you got that? Where it's like someone has a little bit of advice, 
but it doesn't really do anything. Someone has a little bit of help, but it really doesn't mean that much. You never really get satisfied. You never really get filled. You never really experience that abundance because it's just not quite enough. It's like standing outside in the cold, looking through a window, watching a fireplace burn. You know that God's doing something, but you're just not experiencing it in your life. You know that He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know that He has promised eternal life. You know He's promised abundant life, but frankly, your life just doesn't seem that way. You've had a lot of small meals, but you've never really been full spiritually. So you listen intently at what Jesus is going to do with this little bit of food. And then you watch something amazing. Jesus does the impossible, and you benefit from it. Jesus takes that little bit of lunch, and He feeds everyone there. Most scholars believe with the women and the children, probably 20,000 people, and everyone eats, and not only does everyone have enough to sustain themselves, but they are so full that there are baskets and baskets and baskets left over to put in the Tupperware and stick in the refrigerator for the next day. Amen? That is the way our God works. He meets our needs and then there are leftovers. And it's amazing as, as if you were on that seashore that day after you had that meal where you're seeing the miraculous work of God you're starting to realize that there's something more than just this physical food that I need. There's something more than just bread and fish that I need to fill me up. But he begins to command those around you to pick up the leftovers. And suddenly you realize Jesus wants to fill your life, not just your stomach. Jesus wants to give you abundance. Jesus wants to give you fullness now just in case you misunderstand he's not promising you to have everything you want here he's not promising that he's distributing fish and loaves and you want olive garden lasagna tonight right he's promising to give you what you really need and what you really need is much important than what you want amen we got way too much of this garbage out here in the church today, forgive me for being that harsh, where people are acting like, well, God will give you anything you want. I'm the first to stand before you and tell you two things. Number one, God will not give you anything and everything you want. And number two, praise God that He doesn't, amen? Because I'm not Him. And I don't know what I need. The great thing is, is that God will give us all that we need. John 10.10 10 may come to mind as you're standing on that seashore. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life. And what? Have it to the full. That they may have life and have it to the full. Paul talks about this over in his letters. He says that they may have the life that is truly life. And folks, this is what people are searching for at your workplace. This is what they're searching for in the physical therapy world. This is what they're searching for at the plant. 
and at the government office and in the school system. This is what they're searching for in your family and your neighborhood. Life that is really life. Life that is meant to be lived in a way that makes a difference why you were created to live in the first place. And that life is a life in Christ Jesus. Now you may decide to follow Jesus around a little bit and listen to what He has to say. And not too long from now, you will hear Him say these words. We find them recorded in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Wow. How awesome knowing what He had done, right? He who comes to Me will never go hungry, and he who believes in Me will never be thirsty. And it may all click for you on that seashore. It may all click for you today. Jesus can fill you up completely. He can fill you up forever. He is all you need. He really is all you really should want. And there will even be leftovers if you trust Him. In my life, as I go back and I look at 10 years ago, <clears throat> I left the South Parkersburg Baptist Church and, and I didn't leave it because... People were trying to get me to leave and I didn't leave it because things weren't going well. Things were going really well. And me, people were like, why in the world? Why would you leave? Things are so well. Are people being saved? Are things happening? And I said, it's only for one reason and that is because God has called me to go do something else. God wants me to do something else and God will continue what He's doing here without me. I'm not important to this process. Matter of fact, none of us are near as important sometimes as we think we are. Uh, God does what God does, right? And, and the fact is, I went into this physical therapy world and I thought to myself, you know what? I, I don't know how much influence I'm going to have, but I'm just going to be faithful every day to the Lord. And I had things happen. I could tell you story after story after story of people who come in my office and shut the door and say, tell me about Jesus. People who call me and say, come to a treatment room, to a clinic. I want to tell, tell me, will you come pray with me, you know? Will you talk to me about this passage of Scripture? I'm like, sure, absolutely. Fast forward to two years ago, right before COVID. We sold our company. We sold part of our company. We're still autonomous locally, but we work with a national partner. And I went home to my wife after this process, which actually took two years and two months because of COVID. And I said, okay, my kind of joking title of corporate culture missiologist is over. I, I, you know, a small company, local company, you can do a lot of things. I don't know what kind of influence I'm going to be able to have. I'm not a person who's going to make you listen to me if you don't want to. I tell everybody, I don't treat people a certain way because of your faith or lack of it. I treat people a certain way because of my faith. I don't care who you are or what your background is. I'm going to treat you the same because Jesus is in my heart. And so I had a phone call not too long ago. Long story short, a corporate executive says to me, you know what, could you help us out with something? And I said, yeah, sure, what? Well, we know your background. We know your background. It's kind of a, a funny side story. If you know anything about physical therapists, they have like 17 letters after their name. They get fellowships and certifications and there are PTs and DPTs and all this. And so I go to these conferences and they list all the participants and they have all these initials and so I started putting in there MDiv for Master of Divinity and DMIN for Doctorate of Ministry, which are the two degrees that I have. 
And people would come up to me and say, hey, where, what are those? Where'd you get those at? And I'm like, well, that's a master's of divinity and a doctor of ministry. And they're like, why? How are you in the PT world, right? And so people knew my background. And they said to me, this, this executive says to me, we know that we have a lot of people whose Christian faith is important to them in our company. And we really want people to you know, live out who they are at work. Can you start strategizing with us how to incorporate prayer into our meetings? How to incorporate a way to help these people understand their core values and how they work out in their place? And I hung up the phone, I called my wife and I went, God is so awesome. Here I thought, you know, no way now. But now the, the platform is even at this level. And I praise God for that. You know why? Because we serve a God of abundance. Amen? And you know what? We take so much for granted. I mean, we act like sometimes in the church, we've got nothing to eat. We've got nothing to wear. And yet right in front of us is all the abundance we need in Jesus Christ. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, we all gather here today from different walks of life different things you've called us to do and be, none more important than the other, none less important than the other. You've given us all a calling to do those good deeds that you've prepared in advance for us to do. And Lord, I pray that today you'll just speak to every person here, that they would respond in a way of not taking for granted all that you've given, realizing the abundance they have, and out of that, serving others with that abundance. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from High Lawn Baptist Church. If you'd like to learn more about High Lawn Baptist Church or donate to our ongoing ministry, you can do so online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. We believe that when you love God, you share His Word, and when you love others, you spread the gospel. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that you'll join us again next time. Once again, Thank you for listening.